Hello everyone and welcome to episode 333 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week, starting with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How's it going this week, Richard? Going, it's going very well, Seth. Just been playing a lot of modern. Can't wait for this podcast um, to finish so I can uh, go back into my league. Oh, <laughs> tell me about it. I have also been playing a lot of modern and really enjoying a lot of modern. But before we get into that, we have another co-host in Grim. What's up this morning, Grim? Not, not much. I mean, it's uh, you know, once again like to kind of reiterate what Richard's been saying. I mean, I've been wanting to play modern. I've had the modern itch, uh, and it's it's been fun. Yeah, I think Modern has been, actually, I've very much enjoyed it since Modern Horizons 2 came out. We'll see where things shake out after the newness wears off and the freshness, but I don't know. Nothing so far is hog-act, I don't think, the format. Maybe you could argue well, Urza Saga is a bit too good, but that's a little <laughs> different than, than hog-act, I think, in the sense that like, hog-act made one dominant deck. Urza Saga is just like a colorless land that shows up in so many different decks. So it's it is powerful but in a in a different way. But we're getting we're getting way off track. This is not time to to discuss this. Yeah, what were you going to say, Grim? Sorry. Oh, I was going to say is is that not a problem? <laughs> I mean, it's it's probably it's probably a problem, although I don't know. Like it feels less troubling to me than Hogak from what I remember. I don't I don't know. What do you guys think? Right, like, hold on, what hold is, on. Did you finish introducing the podcast yet? <laughs> no. We, we, we got off on a tangent. Let's finish that. We'll go back to Okay. 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 Let, let's finish our, our little intro uh, as far as our topics. And then I guess we'll move modern to the top of our list since we're already talking about it. But today we're going to be jumping around a little bit. We got a bunch of smaller topics, uh, including modern, of course, which we got into a little bit early. We got new Forgotten Realms cards to talk about, the never-ending drip of spoilers. We have a new Universes Beyond Secret yeah. Lair drop that was announced. We have uh, modern prices, modern the form. Format. We have a CDH tournament we might talk about a little bit, and then fish mail. So we're just going to be bouncing from topic to topic. Uh, but with that stuff out of the way, let's go back to modern. So we already started talking about this kind of. So let's just start with Urza Saga. I mean, Urza Saga is probably the best card from the set at this point. Do you guys find it problematic in the way that Hagak was problematic? Because I think the argument I was trying to make is, like, sure, I think it's too good. Sure, I think it's probably going to be banned. But it hasn't felt the same kind of oppressive to me because you don't it's not like you're playing this one deck you know three times out of every league and getting crushed by Hogak. you're just playing against this one card in a wide variety of decks because it's so good and it's so colorless and it's just a land that a lot of different archetypes can take advantage of it what do you think about urza saga uh, in modern it, i think that's problematic right <laughs> like i mean for me it, it seems like it is and and maybe Maybe that's because I've, you know, I, I'm the person that sits on the opposite side of that and is like, wow, you took no game actions and you've just made some tokens and you're, you're and you've won. You're salty that you can't I counterspell can, yeah, it. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. can totally see how this affects Krim, where they just play a land, make two, you know, golems and they just kill them. <laughs> well, but. Right, well, I mean, like, okay, so like that's the the simple way of putting I mean, like, yeah, like I can I can like try to sweep the board and stuff like that but i also think the fact that it goes into every deck is a little problematic right 
you just got to make your own golems, Krim. Like, that's I mean, how you that, answer your opponent's golems, is making your own to block with. It's and true. That, and then it's you're good. It's golem parody. It's it's true. I mean, like, all the decks are, pa- like, the, the like essentially the other decks are now packing the exact same card. Like, even <laughs> archetypes that you wouldn't normally expect to see it from, like you had mentioned, maybe even control decks are playing it, right? So, I don't know. I I. I'm not saying I'm not I'm not calling for actually yes I 100% I'm calling for an early ban here uh, but 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 like the the thing is I think I don't know why people are buying the card it's gonna be banned in two months or whenever it comes out <laughs> like this card is is absolutely nutty it, it's going in every deck it's going and it's it's also made us not really sure if because there's some really cool decks that are are doing well again um, like we're talking like affinity. Uh, and, and whatnot. Like, it's cool to see Affinity come back. Um, and, and I, I think Affinity is able to come back on, from, from multiple fronts because, well, like, like it's being, you know, it, it's obviously very powerful thanks to Urza Saga, but whatever the thought, thought monitor, I think that card's a very powerful card. And there's a lot going on for Affinity, but then it's also br- making, single handedly making archetypes like, I think, Lantern come back, which is like, <laughs> all right, is Lantern good or is this card just that good? And I, I think this card is just that good, that it, it's good enough to make Lantern good. <laughs> What uh, what do you think, Richard? You've been playing a lot of modern. Where are you at with Urza Saga? I think it's fine. So it it is the truth that it shows up in a lot of decks and a lot of decks across different archetypes. But it's like a good card. It's not unbeatable. It's not like Hogak where you're like, okay, I can't do anything about this. Like in the worst case, they make two golems or they don't even make two golems and they just tutor up something, right? So maybe it's broken in a specific shell. Like maybe Amulet Titan is too good now that, you know, they can get a, a free amulet. But I think in general, it's fine. And I, I see it as like a fatal push. Fatal push is in like every deck ever. Lightning Bolt is in every deck ever, whatever, right? We, we don't care about that. This card is in a lot of decks, but I don't think it's too broken. I don't think it's too nutty. It gives a lot of value, but you can deal with it. You can disenchant, right? You can just like kill the golems right like you i mean can just yeah, kill yeah. whatever they fetch up but like it's not like it's crazy and it's slow right it takes a couple turns to go off it's it's not like hogak where you need like main deck hate or you're dead right they can play urza saga and you can deal with it with your normal game plan so i think it's fine but well okay r- let's just like remove hogak from the conversation <laughs> very very good but i i mean if, if the bar is it has to be hogak good does that mean that, that that's necessarily a great thing? I I, I don't know. I, I think that it shouldn't be – it just should not exist. <laughs> but because I, I was wondering – I had a discussion with a friend and I was just like, hey, I realized what if this was just an artifact itself? It makes it even more powerful, but at the same time, you're probably losing anyways to that card. So at, at least if it were an artifact, it would be stopped by like, you know, more like hate. Than just a because like now it's like I, okay I got to pack disenchant as opposed to let's just say something as simple as a stony silence. Oh, ah, yeah, I don't know. That would definitely power it up more along with turning on more hate. I I don't know if that would make it better or worse. Honestly, it's an interesting idea though. I I would like that you could like ancient grudge it and you could ancient grudge the tokens or whatever. Right. I think I'm kind of in the middle of the two of you when it comes to this. Like I agree with Krim that. It's probably too good, and I 
not calling for a banning, but I do sort of like expect it to possibly get banned. I think out of all the cards from Modern Horizons 2, it is definitely past Grief as a card that I think is most likely to end up getting banned. Uh, and it shows up in more and more decks. It's showing up across archetypes from like aggro to combo to ramp to control. So I do think it's problematic. On the other hand, it doesn't feel oppressive to me yet, at least in the way that something like Hogak or Oko or some of those cards did, or well, even not. like Eldrazi Winter or something like that. It <laughs> that's, that is that is true. <laughs> but I feel like it doesn't like feel miserable to me yet, and I don't know if that's because it's not a miserable feeling card or if it's just because modern horizons 2 is <laughs> yeah. new and you give, give me give a it, couple more weeks and i'm gonna be like absolutely <laughs> sick of it yeah. I, I do feel like every time i see someone play it i see new tricks like i i played against the control deck that was just like it was their finisher that's what they were doing to close out the game and they were just like tutoring up expedition maps and you just urge the saga go through it make some constructs get an expedition map do it again do it again it's like man that is actually like really strong so i do feel like just because so many different decks can take advantage of it maybe that's where where the problem ends up coming in but, but that's I don't know, what why do you it's think good like okay all the quote-unquote problematic decks it's in were dead decks that you didn't see before, right? Thanks to this card, we now have Lantern back in action. We have Affinity back in action. Hammer Time is not a meme deck, right? Le you know, uh, I, mean, I don't know if Hammer Time was a meme deck before. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it was funny, but but, but it's like it's not like you took the top five decks in Modern and they're all playing this card now, right? You you took like <laughs> five tier three decks somewhere and like here they are, right? So the in, in that sense, I like what it's done, right? Like. And all these decks are using this card differently, right? Some decks are going all in on making the golems. Some are just trying to tutor up their one CMC thing. Some are using it as a control finisher for some reason, right? Like, it's very varied. It's not, it's not like all the same thing, which is why even though I've played so many Leagues of Modern, it still feels fresh to me. And if you really care, just pack some, like, you know, Shatterstorms or Kataki's War Rages. I mean, or I, I right? literally play main deck Esper Charm. <laughs> you do that before that's, Urza that's your yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Now, 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 I guess I gotta go up to four again. I was at three. I thought I was being too lenient. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, but but like, I, is it is it not problematic in that it is in every deck? Like, I feel like that that. But so like, it's like lightning push. But this is right? different so than a opt. ball. <laughs> right? okay, but we don't okay. care about these cards. These are, you know, support are, you, you know you can't compare an opt to this card, right? <laughs> like, 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 you could even say ponder, and I wouldn't even say it's Okay, the what same about thing. Snapcaster Mage? Or what about, like, th those kind of cards that are very strong, and they go in a wide variety of decks, and, but, you know, they could beat but, you on their own, but they're not the what, main uh, game plan of the deck, right? Can't what? they be... Can't, how about how about this though? What about Field of the Dead as a comparison? If you want to come at it from yeah, okay, the less positive side, like is it a Field of the Dead that like superpowers Primeval Titan decks, but also well, just shows up in a ton of different decks because it's a land that makes a bunch of creatures and I don't gotta do anything for it to win me the game. Exactly. That that that's kind of I think the issue I had with Field of the Dead. It's that it it dances along the line. It's not exactly Field of the Dead. Or maybe it could be worse. Who knows? Uh, but but the thing here is it's it's dancing on the line of I did nothing. I don't have to do anything. And I'm just going to get free value. And then I'm going to tutor something to get more value. And and, and that is... I mean, it, it's I think a that land that's itself, three for ones over like two turns or three turns or something like that, right? Which is fine. 
Like, I, I don't know. But, like, what's, but it doesn't, so it doesn't cost that, anything. Right? But it doesn't. It didn't really cost anything except for the two mana, whatever. To, it costs like, you like four mana and a land to do all of this. It does cost you something. Uh, right? It doesn't cost you a card slot. But it, I, I mean, don't know not, if I like it because 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 I don't I don't think you did like the, okay. So it's problematic that it's on a land. I think is the issue here. They need to stop making lands that do this kind of stuff. <laughs> like, you, you, I don't you, like you. You can play blue white control and play Field of the Dead. Right, yeah. and you could also play blue-white control and play this exact same card, and that doesn't mean that I think, like, it should exist. <laughs> I, I don't know. I get I get it that they're not going to, like, do away with it right now because it just came out, but the I just don't think it feels like you really did anything to, like, like, like what was the decision tree there that you made? <laughs> I mean, I, I, <laughs> that's a lot right, of like, things I've honored. <laughs> well, sure. I, I think that's... That's probably fair too. Like, if you stick it to fairy, what decisions are you making? You're just you're just <laughs> winning. Well, no, well, no, 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 no. There's still there's still like a play to Teferi, right? Like, like there's actually some play to it. But like, first off, it costed me three mana or five mana, whichever Teferi you're talking about. It doesn't matter. Any of them costed me mana, right? They costed me mana <laughs> in true. playing it. Like, and and the, and like usually in the matchups where those cards are good, well, let's say three fairy, there's probably a chance I might get countered. Right. So so I actually had a decision. But I, but like Urza's Saga is like, oh, I play this land. All right, your turn. <laughs> like and, and I play that and then I'm going to activate it. OK, cool. Yeah, and then I just get decision the is, Should I play more dorks or should I make a golem? <laughs> right. I, should I chop with the just, golem? <laughs> right? That's like, like not that's the same. That's not the same. Right. Just, like that, I feel like just, that's so much like and on top of that, once again, there's not even a chance to interact with it outside of having to spend fatal push and then have another fatal push and then hoping to have some kind of main deck artifact answer. Like, like, okay, here, here's, here's what I do. I play a Tarmogoyf. I'm like, cool, 1-1, one, one, right? If it's a 9-9, nine, nine, then things are out of control, right? Like, right. It, it's not oppressive if you have legit creatures. If you have a 5-5, five, five, they're like, okay it's a two, two or something, right? Or you get two of them, like big deal. You can remove them. Like you can do your normal things to get rid of it. You can't counter spell, right? That's the one thing you're not allowed to do, but you can play your removal. You can play your creatures. You could combo off in face of these like golems. So Wait, you can, you can interact with it yeah. like the same ways, unlike cards, like say Oko or Hogak, where like half of your interaction doesn't work on these things and you have to put really <laughs> narrow cards in your deck to like deal with it whereas this is just like some dirtly creatures you're you're not going to compare the power level of Urza Saga to some like some of the best magic cards ever printed <laughs> like, right? well, like, what like, i'm saying is you can deal with it right and maybe they two for one you with their land right but like, they, like there are a lot of cards for that one two for you. one me right they three for one you richard they three for I, one i don't know i i I, I play like a lot of fair decks uh, in modern, and like this card hasn't been too problematic for me. Uh, but I don't play counter spells. I can see if you have a handful of counter spells why this card is obscenely obnoxious, uh, obnoxious right? Because you can't do anything about it, right? Yeah, that's that's kind of been my experience too. Is it really depends on the matchup, how good it is, because it is a little slow and it does cost a land. And I think there is a cost, especially if you're going to make two golems. Uh, you're you're investing a lot of your mana over the course of a couple turns to actually like make those golems. So it's really depended on the deck I was playing. Like I would definitely agree that if you're playing a control deck with a bunch of counter spells, it's going to be really miserable. On the other hand, if you got some creatures and stuff, it's not that bad. I think I 
like that it powers up a lot of these fringe decks. I like that like Lantern is back. I like that Hardened Scales is back or that Affinity is back. That's a part of the card that I like. The part that I'm a little concerned about is just like how it's showing up in a lot of other decks too, like Amulet Titan in the control decks. That's what makes me think like if it just powered up the artifact decks that were kind of not a part of the meta since Mox Opal got banned, I think that would be in general a positive, but it's also powering up a lot of other archetypes, which I don't know if they need a further boost of power. Like does Amulet Titan really need to get better? I don't know if Amulet Titan needs to get better. So, ah, I'm in the middle. Uh, I don't find it miserable yet, but I do think, and from hearing people talk about it on like social media, I do think it's probably gonna get banned. Like that seems to be the direction people are leaning at this point and i think it's like super early to ban anything but i would not be surprised if this was uh was the first domino to fall but oh, let yeah. me let me ask you guys is there anything else from modern horizons 2 that you think is problematic like is there anything else that's even on your banning watch list we are we're a couple weeks in now since the set is actually released and we've been playing it is there anything else that you think is going to be a problem or did wizards actually like somehow kind of nail it power level wise and we're going to be okay and not have another like Hagak situation with this set i think i think that's the only card that needs a banning out of this otherwise i think the set was awesome yeah. the, uh, what do you think richard i i would like to apologize to watsi i was very skeptical about modern horizons 2 especially after modern horizons 1 i think we've returned back to the golden age of modern where there are like 30 40 decks you can play all of them are close to, you know, close enough in power level that they're all equally viable. You can basically jam anything Five and do well. color zoo with Sion <laughs> Draco. It's so cool. Tribal flames, right? Like, yeah, there's yeah, just yeah. so many. Like, I'm, I'm playing, I'm playing black, white tokens, right? I'm playing decks from like five years ago and I'm doing very well with them, right? Like, somehow the free spells have managed to like bring balance to the multiverse and... Uh, we've somehow fixed Fatal Push. Remember I was complaining Fatal Push is too strong for the format? They fixed it by making all creatures like 5 CMC+, plus, right? Like Feasting <laughs> Troll King, Solid. You can't kill anything with Fatal Push now, right? So I'm like, yes. oh, pretty good, <laughs> right? Like they've kind of balanced Fatal Push a bit by just making, you know, all these obscene creatures at like 6 CMC, 5 CMC be playable in turn two. So yeah, I, I actually think we're in the golden age of modern. I wouldn't touch anything. I, I'm fine with Urza Saga and I'm fine with like Grief and all those cards. Uh, I think they've somehow fixed the format such that push, they pushed out the super fast decks and everyone else is kind of in the middle now. Yeah, that's that's kind of been my experience too. I, I do wonder if the Grief Ephemerate synergy will get old after a while. That's another one that has uh, tended to be pretty popular and show up in, I wouldn't say a whole bunch of different decks, but different builds. There's like Stoneblade builds, there's more taxi builds. That would be the other thing I would keep an eye on, but I mostly agree with Richard that the format's in a, in a super amazingly fun place. Like people are 5 0 with Siege Rhino. That's that's a sign of a healthy modern. When someone 5 0s with Siege Rhino and four copies in their deck, that's that's when you know that modern's in a pretty good place. So I actually think that we're in an amazing place and <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I'm shocked. I was hyped for this set. This is the set I was most excited for out this entire year. But I always had in the back of my mind, like, oh, I don't know. Is this going to break things? Like, Hogak, remember last time? But I feel like we've avoided all the, the worst case scenarios for a set like this. And Modern's just a 
ton of fun right now. So I hope they keep making these sets. I, I'm ready for another one next year, every year. What do you think about doing? Could we do Modern Horizons every year or would that kill the format? I, I do. I do what? think at some point if we do this every year, almost none of the cards before that we played that didn't rotate would eventually just be null because they would make something better. And then you would have like, you know, what I mean, the whole appeal of modern is that I didn't have to always update my entire deck. But if Modern Horizons comes out every year, I could see that happening. Like eventually they'll make something better than Snapcaster. Eventually they'll make something better than uh, why well, I, I don't know for right now, like a, a Raghavan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I, I do, I do want to see this happen every year though. And I think it, it's pretty sweet for the format. Uh, otherwise, like strictly talking about just the format, I think it's really cool. Um, and on top of that, I, I, I think both Modern Horizons, have been awesome. The last set, the only thing I didn't like was Hogak. And this set, the only thing I don't like is Urza Saga. It was interesting to hear them <clears throat> them mention first Modern Horizons was like not really designed for modern and that being legal in modern actually came late in the design process. And this set was designed the entire time with the idea being this is going to be legal in modern. And I think that that shows like I feel like I don't know. I'm impressed, too, because I don't have the after the last couple of years, the biggest amount of trust with Wizards, like designing cards in a way that isn't going to break things. But this time it worked and they powered up a ton of weird archetypes. The cards that look scary during spoiler season, for the most part, have proven to be powerful, but not insane. So maybe every year would be a little overkill. But I really hope they keep doing this. Do it every other year or something, because the response from the community has been huge. It's been a great thing for modern. It adds new cards into commander like every other set so i feel like it's a it's a pretty big win and i would not be surprised that if this is ends up being like the the best set of the year out of a really hyped year of magic sets too all right so we got a bunch of other topics the other thing all right let's stick with modern for another quick minute and then we'll get to forgotten realms and stranger things and cdh the other thing we want to talk about as far as modern is modern horizons 2 and the prices of the set richard you were working over the weekend i think to get this set ev up on the site uh what did you learn about modern horizons 2 doing the ev stuff all right um let me pull up the latest numbers because this changes daily so if you don't if you don't know uh, since last set, uh, we've been adding real-time EV calculations to the website. So you can find them on the card pages themselves. So for example, if you open up a Modern Horizons 2 uh, draft booster uh, box, you'll see the EV. And then you can also find them uh, on the priceless pages. Uh, there's a little sealed section where it shows the price and also the EV uh, of the product. And the interesting thing is to look at the booster packs. The booster packs break down the EVs by slot. So you can tell how much the mythic slot is adding or how much the foil slot is adding and, and whatnot. Uh, but uh, as, as of today, collector boosters uh, offer insane value at uh, $1,100 uh, compared to a retail price of around 400 draft boosters are 450 versus 300 retail and set boosters are 700 versus 250 retail uh, what this means is that single prices are still really high right that uh, the ev versus retail should not be this big of a gap but it also means if you want to crack boxes it's not too bad of a time However, you do need to know that variance is super high and it may be hard to sell some of these cards, right? Some of the cards are very expensive. Uh, they don't move 
at the same rate as uh, the more common, say, like rare from standard. Yeah, and we've already seen these prices dropping. When I when I was first looking at the EV, like the middle of last week, so maybe four or five days ago, set boosters were like nine hundred, so they're down a couple hundred bucks in like four or five days. Uh, collector boosters, I think, were thirteen hundred, and they're down to like eleven fifty. Normal draft boosters were like six hundred, they're down to four fifty. So we already see those prices declining, and I definitely expect that we will continue to see them decline, especially for like the draft boosters and for the set boosters, maybe to a slightly lesser extent. Collector boosters, I think they're gonna decline too, but I think all the random special printings are probably going to mean that they maintain more value than the other uh, the other booster products. Uh, definitely very tempting numbers though. Like these are numbers that are making me wanna pick up some boxes and crack them because I feel like in the long term, these are going to be good cards to own. You're getting fetch lands. You're getting a bunch of stuff that's modern playable. So even if prices decline, a lot of these cards are probably going to go back up in price a year or two for now. So it feels like a pretty uh, a pretty reasonable investment. The other thing I want to mention about prices is I was looking at Modern Masters 2017 and looking at the fetch lands in specific, and I realized that the actual floor on fetch land prices was release week, which is kind of where we're at now for Modern Horizons 2. And we already see prices way down in price. I think the most expensive ones are like 40 right now, and the cheaper ones are under 30. This might be the time to get your fetch lands. Maybe they go down a little bit more over the next like week or maybe two weeks. But I actually think seeing Arid Mesa at like $23 or whatever and Scalding Tarns at like 40 I don't know if it's going to get much cheaper than this. So I don't know. And they also rebounded very quickly last time. So I'm kind of leaning towards this week or next week being maybe the window to get your fetch lands at the cheapest price. So if you've been waiting and uh, waiting for Modern Horizons 2 is a chance to get what you need for Commander for Modern. I think the time might be here to pick those up because I know unless they unless they keep reprinting them, which there isn't really any reason to think Wizards is all of a sudden gonna aggressively reprint fetch lands every you know every other set or a couple times a year because they've never done that. A year or two from now, we're likely to be back to where we were before with hundred dollar scalding tarns and eighty dollar vernt catacombs or whatever. So definitely take advantage of this window if you can because this is this is a fetch land sale and this is the time to do it. Quick question for you, Seth. Oh yeah, go ahead. What is the coffers window? <laughs> it's uh, still like seventy bucks, right? No, no, it's down to like oh, forty, like thirty something. But how much further do we expect it to go? Or like for for these like kind of long standing staple cards that you know are really good and are very expensive before they reprint. When when should we look, we be looking to pick them up? I mean, are, are, these are so, mythic, right? Like uh, the coffers. coffers is a mythic, yeah. yes, yeah. Coffers, coffers is a mythic. I I would also be looking to pick up commander staples in the near future, which is mostly how I'm val uh, valuing Cabal coffers. Uh, maybe it sees a little bit of play in modern, but it's mostly commander demand that's getting there. And we have seen commander cards be pretty quick to recover from reprintings. Uh, they're just so resilient. They have so much demand, and there's a lot of 
commander players out there who theoretically have not wanted to spend $100 on a Cabal Coffers or $120, they're gonna see $30 and snap at that. So my expectation for fetch lands and for really in-demand commander cards like Cabal Coffers is that this is this is probably gonna be about the floor. I don't think they're just gonna keep dropping, keep dropping. Maybe Coffers hits like 30, I would say, at like the minimum, but I wouldn't expect it to go much lower than that. And I think it'll probably rebound pretty quickly just because there's so so many commander players these days. On the other end, new cards like Chatterfang being $27. Uh, the other new cards I think are really inflated right now, especially the commander ones. Uh, Gareth, Chatterfang, stuff that won't see any meaningful modern play most likely. And is like, you're playing one in a commander deck and you're mostly playing it as like the general of a specific deck. I think those cards are very overpriced and I would definitely wait for new cards and, uh, and let the prices come down. Anyway, before we move on to other topics, Richard, I think we got a sponsor this week. Why don't you tell us a little bit about him? All right. Today's show is brought to you by HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. You get fresh pre-measured ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. And you can skip out on trips to the grocery store and have easy, fun, affordable home cooking. So maybe Modern Horizons 2 has just released. You spend all your time grinding leagues on Moto. You don't want to cook dinner. You don't have too much time to do an elaborate uh, cooking session. You don't want to resort to unhealthy takeout. HelloFresh has you covered with quick and easy 15 to 20 minute recipes. There are over 27 recipes to choose from each week, including vegetarian and calorie smart options. My favorite meals so far are the beef bulgogi meatballs, quick and easy, and everything was made right in my oven. So thank you, HelloFresh, for sponsoring today's episode. Uh, go to HelloFresh.com slash Goldfish12 and use the code Goldfish12 for 12 free meals, including shipping. Once again, that's HelloFresh.com slash Goldfish12 with the code Goldfish12 for 12 free meals. So thank you, HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit for sponsoring today's episode. So let's move on and uh, and hit up some other topics. And I think the biggest one is probably we got more new cards. Spoiler season never ends these days. We have the release of Modern Horizons 2 officially this Friday. We're getting more Forgotten Realm spoilers. Not a, not a ton, just a couple. But Richard, uh, why don't you guide us through our new Forgotten Realms cards? All right. Two new Forgotten Realm cards this week, uh, both at rare. First up, we have Flumpf, one and a white. So two mana value, uh, zero four creature jellyfish, defender <laughs> flying. When Flumpf is dealt damage, you and target opponent each draw a card. This this seems fun, <laughs> only because it's a jellyfish. <laughs> I, that is... Pretty much the only reason why I love this. Oh, jellyfish, fun, crim-like. <laughs> uh, but but other than that, I mean, it, is this card draw for white? <laughs> oh no, no, no! It's no, it's not, no, it's not. It is not. Please do not play this as card draw in your white decks. Like flump, I I like this card. I think it's cute. Apparently, I didn't really know. I don't know D&D enough, so I don't appreciate some of this stuff. I feel like I would appreciate this set twice as much if I was like Tomer or someone else who really knew D&D. But apparently, flumps are like these creatures in D&D that are just like wander around and are super friendly and they'll like help your your group that is adventuring and give you like the secrets of the the bad guys or whatever because they're just like always listening and super friendly so i think in the context of what a flump is in D, &D the card's really cute my question is 
couldn't this been uncommon? Like, why? Yeah. Why does this card need to be a rare? Like, symmetrical draw. It, to me, it looks like a way, way worse, like, wall of omens or something. <laughs> if I was actually going to play it in a competitive deck. And that's an uncommon. So, I like the D&D flavor of it, I guess, from what I've learned about it. But as far as actually playing this card, I can't imagine playing it in any format. Maybe, like, Arcades Commander or something that really cares about walls. But other than that... It's cute, but not very playable in my opinion. What? Yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't know D and D. It's not at constructed all. playable. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You want to be giving your opponent cards in, like, say, modern or something, right? But I think it's. Is it even commander playable? I think so. Right in, you, in just like a regular deck, yeah. Or, you, like I can see an Arcades or something, but draw. like, are you just gonna jam this in a white deck? Would you give your opponent huh? one card in exchange for drawing a card? I would. So, you know, you're like, oh, nice tutu over there. Send it this way. I'll block. We can both draw a card, right? You want to lightning bolt it? <laughs> if anyone plays lightning bolt, I, we both draw a card, right? So I think it can be used politically to draw yourself many cards. Wait, uh, and what are you, it's a zero what are you all talking about? How are you ever going to draw cards? I've never even seen this draw effect happen with Notion Thief out. <laughs> y'all y'all well, being weird. can I draw think... two cards. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. Okay, I like I do like the political implications of it. That's that that is cute. I still don't think I would just like play this in a generic white deck though. I don't think I would play it in a generic white deck. If I'm playing it, it's because it's D&D related or it's jellyfish. And I like jellyfish. <laughs> I think it can be good, but yeah. I don't know. It may just suck. <laughs> you may play it. No one ever attacks or you're not able to get people to help you draw cards and it does nothing. But like if, if, the, if this card's ever stonewalling your opponent's deck in, in commander, then I, I think that's a different issue. So like this isn't a blocker. But if Seth had a 2-2, he would totally attack into this. But, yeah. but you could choose anyone. That's the thing. Like you get to choose target opponent. So yeah. you'd have to politicize your way into yeah. it because i would be like oh like how do i know you're not gonna let tomer draw or whatever instead of me or crim draw instead of me i think that yeah. that de- okay you're right that that element of play does add a lot of fun to it that you can politic your way into to the card draw all right next up we have tasha's hideous laughter one blue blue sorcery each opponent exiles cards from the top of their library until that player's exiled cards with total mana value 20 or more this this card is the business, right? Like I I think this card is sick in in constructed. And you know what? Maybe even in commander. Uh, like in the older the format we go, the better this gets, right? I mean, like I'm thinking like modern yeah. and all of that. So so I actually did a video delving into the math on this card and. The way I look at it is kind of the gold standard for mill is Glimpsy Unthinkable, which mills 10 cards for two mana. So you're getting for each mana five cards in Modern and in Legacy. And I didn't go super deep in Vintage, but uh, in Modern Legacy for sure, this actually mills more cards on average than Glimpsy Unthinkable would. Like you're getting 5.3 cards for every mana you spent. There's like a 15.5 cards, 15.9 cards, depending on Modern or Legacy, that this is going to get on average, which actually makes this a really powerful mill spell on right. Plus it's exiling, which I think is really interesting. And you get this incidental upside that you just wreck some people against like legacy lands is one people bring up against legacy lands you're gonna mill 35 cards or something on average which might just win in one shot my only concern with this card 
it's good enough on rate, it's really powerful, but is exiling a deal breaker? When I, I know a lot of people are like, well, it's all upside. Like I don't get beat by Emerkel now, which is sort of true. You don't get beat by Emerkel now if you're using this instead of a typical mill spell. On the other hand, a lot of mill decks are trying to play like Drown in the Lock or trying to play Visions of Beyond or like the Rogue deck in Standard is like trying to mill, not to kill people with mill as much as like to turn on their into the stories and turn on their rogues. So I wonder if like, is Exiling an upside or a downside? I'm really like undecided. I'm kind of leaning towards it being a drawback as weird as that sounds because you'd think it would be an upside, but in the decks that would want this, I kind of wonder if Exiling, maybe that's a deal breaker. What? I mean, There's no I'm downside. No, like, are, are, do you really well, need to glimpse the? Un do you need to like visions from beyond or something like <laughs> after you resolve this? No, right? They're they're dead, right? You have your other mill spells to mill like five or ten cards, but this is just a finisher, and this prevents the Emrakul shenanigans. It prevents putting flashback cards and dredge cards and all that nonsense in the graveyard. So I think it's like pure upside. Like, are you yeah. really casting this in your rogue deck? Like, no, you're not going to play this card, right? And if you are, but do what you, about do your you, mill deck? Well, even if you're playing this in your rogue deck, which I don't know if you necessarily need it, but if you did, I mean, it, it just automatically gets rid of the whatever the green spider that has escape in standard and all the escape cards. So I think this is just a solid, powerful mill spell. And like, even and like, you have the you know, your rogues to still mill. Because yeah. you don't need to mill that much more than just to like, I didn't think I'd say this, but to just have eight cards in your opponent's yard isn't that hard with Rogue, so. Yeah, maybe maybe I'm overly concerned about that. Maybe maybe it's not as much of a non-bow as I was thinking. Regardless, like, it's definitely powerful. Just like the amount of cards this is going to exile is really high for its mana cost. It's even formatted to get around like Leyline of Sanctity, which is relevant in formats like Modern, and it's formatted so it hits all opponents. I've heard people talking about trying to play this with like Thousand Year Storm in Commander or something and just like exile everyone's deck. What about Commander? Can this show up in Commander at all? Or is the average mana value in Commander just too high for this to really be good? I think the, well, okay. It, it, because this is each opponent is why this card's good. Um, even it, like I I do I do worry about some, the variance of it will be wide, right? I mean, you got to think about like all the mana costs in Commander and whatnot. So like that's absolutely wild. But the fact that it says each opponent and exiles is very good. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a sweet card. What do, What do you think, Richard? I don't know how many cards you're expecting. Like even in, like maybe you can do it in CDH. Uh, but like the average deck, I don't know that it's worth and you're you're probably not trying to mill everyone at the same time. You probably mill one person at a time. Uh, but if you're doing this, like maybe maybe there's like some combo loop that you can pull off such that you can actually just mill everyone out. But I feel the average CMC in Commander may be too high for you to do this. And also, like, even if you get like 30 cards a shot, you still need to do like two or three of these, right? Like, so even in like the most optimal cases you still need a lot of these it's a lot harder to mill a hundred card deck than it is to mill uh a 60 card deck so uh, well, but i'm sure okay. someone will try to make it work <laughs> it, it is it's not like this card requires the cmc total or the mana value of 20 or more with like for combined right between three players if you cast this in commander per each, each player, player yeah right would yeah, would have player. to hit 20 i i mean i think this could be pretty major it hits a lot of things in commander and, and exiles it. So 
look, I, I, I think this is just even even if I have to do this like two more times to win three more times, even better if I have Bruvok out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wait, actually, this is not even Mill. It's Exile. Oh, well, OK, that might be the only downside I can see of it because it's not Mill, right? It's just exiles. Yeah, it's, the top it's exiles. So, uh, yeah, that that might be the only downside that it doesn't read Mill. But yeah, I I think even then this is just a powerful spell regardless. So let's talk about our other announcement from this week, which is a new universes beyond layer drop. Last week we talked about wizards talking about how there were going to be more unique layer drops. Well, now we know what the first one is. We don't actually know the cards in it yet, but we know that the first one is going to be based on Stranger Things. Stranger Things secret layer drop with exclusive cards. What do you guys think about the choice of Stranger Things as, I guess, our second uh, Universes Beyond exclusive unique card layer drop? It's going to flip the multiverse upside down. Ah, uh, 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 yeah. Okay, that was a really bad joke. But the thing <laughs> here never is... never watched Stranger Things. Oh, I don't great. understand your joke, Krim. <laughs> oh, even better. <laughs> Krim explains to the gang TV shows that are after 2000. <laughs> um, wait, wait, does that mean this is no longer a hip show? This, this, like we're, this we're, is we're a hip past? show. I, I think that... And actually, it's supposed final season or at least fourth season is due sometime later this year uh and this show is like i i am i i, I know this is probably going to make people upset but you know what i think i live in that world where everybody gets upset with what i say so uh i'm gonna say that this has me really really hyped i love this drop I, I'm happy that they've announced that there's going to be a magic counterpart, right? I, I, that's what the last announcement was, right? That there will be a magic counterpart or something, even though it won't, it, it won't be the same thing in name. Like, I don't know. Let's just say they print 11. That's a character. Um, and, and they'll probably make an 11 counterpart at a later point, even if it's just on the list. However, I think this is cool from what they could introduce into the world of magic. Uh, like something like, I don't know if they'll bring back world enchantment, but they could bring back an enchantment or some kind of MDFC with the upside down. All the characters, I'm excited to see all the kids in the show. And I want to see the Demogorgon. And I don't think it's a coincidence that a game or a show that has tons of D&D references is dropping near the D&D set. So, like, as much as I don't know anything about D&D, I know the Demogorgon, but I know it through Stranger Things. Uh, even, and, and some people will argue that that's not even the real Demogorgon. I, I, I'm, I'm not here to debate that. I will say that, look, I do like what is shown in Stranger Things. And I think, uh, the, the creatures in Stranger Things that we've seen would be creatures you would see in magic. So it may sound upsetting now because of the, it's attached to a third, like a different IP or something. It's not magic. But when you look at it design wise, outside of like the kids in their, like, you know, poofy jackets and, and like, you know, trucker hats, the creatures that are in this uh, show could totally fit into the world of magic. Yeah, I, I watched the first season of Stranger Things and I actually really liked it. Uh, oh. The second season Seth, I watched watch part this? of and, I, I watched, I watched the first season part of the second season and then kind of just like fizzled out. Not because I didn't like it, but just I started watching other things and never went back to it. But I, I do like Stranger Things and I don't think it's that awkward of a fit. Like, as you mentioned, it's about D and D. Uh, the 
people who created Stranger Things are also big magic players. I've heard that they actually they wanted to have it be magic, but magic didn't exist in the 80s when the show was set. So that's why they went with D&D as kind of the theme of the show. Uh, so I think it actually is kind of sweet. My expectation is it's probably going to be a couple months until they actually release it. I think the new season of Stranger Things most likely going to be around Halloween. I think that's usually when they start, like the end of October. So maybe they time it with the release of that. And we got the D&D set. So I'm I'm fine with it. I don't think I would buy it myself, but I'm I'm fine with it existing. The other thing from Gavin's announcement video is he kind of like tripled down on the idea of these cards is not to be playable in 60 card formats, but they're designed for commander. And he mentioned that like many times and several times, like it's going to be for commander, they're for commander. So it'd be really interesting to see what that means uh, and how good they are in commander. Are they just like random legends that you can use to build a commander deck around or are they actually like really powerful cards for the commander format more like generic staple style effects but it sounds like they're going to be good commander cards or at least that's their goal with making these cards you know so field of the dead was a commander card uh corvold was a commander card or brawl card so i don't know how much stock i'd put into this but here here's the real question should I watch Stranger Things? Is this marketing yeah, tactic yeah. going to work? Okay, wait, let me let me put this out. So I've heard of Stranger Things, obviously. I don't watch it because I don't watch scary movies, okay? I will never, ever watch The Exorcist or The Conjuring <laughs> or any of those movies. Ever. That would literally wreck me, okay? So I would never watch that. Should I watch Stranger Things? Okay, okay. Well, I, I'll be, if you're asking me, I will tell you... It is nowhere near the level of scary that The Exorcist is. Um, and The Conjuring Richard's all jump scares. I don't know why that's scary. Uh, I, but, I just, but the, just, just the concept of it, right? I don't need to be trying to sleep, and, you know, trying to go to sleep at night thinking there's well, like a freaking poltergeist in my closet. Okay. I'm never going to fall asleep. Okay. Did you, would you, did you, let's say, would you like E.T.? E.T. is fine. Did you? I watched E.T. Okay, so so you like E.T. Now, let's say you add a little more uh, creature feature to, like, E.T., where instead <laughs> of a friendly alien, it's a not-so-friendly alien. <laughs> I, like, I mean, if it's, like, you know, like a space monster, like, you know, Predator or something, whatever. Right? Okay, so you, so you liked Predator. What about aliens? Did you see aliens? Aliens is fine. Aliens are fine. Oh, then, then this will be fine. This is not none of this like supernatural. Like I'm living on a cemetery. There's a church (laughs) behind my house. It's it's not pet cemetery. (laughs) None of this this nonsense. I I didn't really think of it as a horror thing at all. Honestly, for me, it was like very sci-fi. Yeah, is kind of like a 80s and a lot of 80s references, but like like some weird nostalgic like 80s sci-fi type theme is what it was for me. I didn't I didn't get much of a horror vibe at all. I guess if I really think about it, there's like some scary ish stuff, but not I I didn't think of it as horror at all. It was more sci fi. Yeah. Like if if you're a fan of of like as this might sound like a joke, but it it is just a little bit of a saucier E.T., I think, because they still (laughs) they still keep it enjoyable. Right. For because because there's there's it's centered around a group of kids and it's not supernatural. It's more of other realms and, and, and and, you know whatever universes and stuff like yo, that yo, okay kids are the scariest things okay like i don't oh, know true <laughs> made it true true okay okay like, okay 
No, no, you're, you're right. You're right. Like, I don't need kids. to see you no know, twins from The Shining. Like, I don't need to see any of this, right? Like, <laughs> Poltergeist. Okay, I think Richard's seen one too many movies. That, okay, this is not going to be that. This is, I promise you, uh, the as long kids. As they're happy kids, you know, playing D&D and not like the reanimated kids. <laughs> there are no reanimated children that I can remember off the top of my head. <laughs> All right, we had one other topic to hit up before Fishmail, which, Krim, you brought this to our attention. There's a uh, a CEDH tournament that's coming up. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about what that's about? It's a, So I believe it is Monarch Events on Reddit. They are starting a CDH paper tournament uh, to kind of get paper magic going again. Uh, it's taking place in Copenhagen, Denmark uh, from August 13th through the 15th. I think it's a pretty cool idea. Um, I mean, whether or not I play a ton of CDH or not, you know, that's a different story. But they're also allowing uh, a decent amount of proxies for this tournament. And I think that this is this is a pretty sweet way to kick off, you know, of like paper magic again or try to get it going again. And what better way than to get it with a tournament? And of course, with CDH, there's a good amount of people out there that play CDH. So uh, this seems kind of interesting, right? It's a three-day uh, commander convention. They're renting out what seems to be like a 550-person space. Uh, there will be people from Spike Feeders, Jim of the, uh, from the CAG, and 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 all and all of that. And there there will probably be others, and they're gonna make it into a whole pretty sweet event. So I think this is a, a, a fun thing and a, a like I may not play a ton of CDH, but it's cool to see that CDH is moving in a direction like this. This is really it's interesting to me. So I don't know how I feel about tournament commander, period. To me, like uh, tournament commander is kind of against the spirit of commander as like a, a casual format and it adds like weird incentives where the goal is to like win whether rather than have people have fun so i have very mixed feelings about just the idea of commander tournaments in general and this makes me think like and it's something i brought up before maybe cdh should just be its own format like Ugh, maybe maybe it's just its own thing and it has its own ban list and it can function without having to deal with, you know, wizards or the rules committee and they can manage the format in a way that's going to be best for them. Because I don't know, like, I think this sounds like a really cool thing uh, if you're into CDH tournaments and it's awesome to see paper magic returning. I love that they're allowing proxies for some cards, like all that stuff is really cool. I just like don't especially like the idea of commander tournament play period uh, so maybe i don't know what what do you think richard so if i lived in copenhagen i would 100% go to this right i would go to a cdh tournament before i go to a modern tournament or a standard tournament simply because <laughs> it's hard to play cdh right like this is a really sweet gathering of cdh players uh, so I really like it. And I, I agree somewhat with Seth in that you should have a different ban list. Like what governs casual EDH doesn't govern CDH. But aside from that, I don't think it goes against the spirit or anything, right? Like if we play hundred card format singleton with a commander, uh, we should feel free to release our spike side and try to spike a table and then spike a tournament. Uh, so I actually really like that aspect. Like CDH has been you know, kind of like on the fringe. It's not as popular as casual commander, but to have an actual like legit Grand Prix style tournament uh, is really exciting. 
And yeah. especially since yeah. it kind of means like, you know, we're, we're starting to unravel the COVID procedures, right? Like now we can talk about having like big events and we can talk about, you know, they obviously have things for COVID safety still, but it's happening, right? It's the return of paper magic and it's it's slowly happening. So that's also very exciting as well. And I I think that the ability, like they're, like they're allowing proxies. And I think that's pretty major considering that CDH can get very pricey. Uh, and I believe if there are over 250 players, there's going to be an unlimited time twister added into the prize pool. So you like there's like the allowing of proxies, a uh, pretty sweet prize pool. Like I, I, it's definitely a thing if you're into CDH and whether whether or not like this is against the spirit of the format of CD uh, commander or not, that's a different topic as a whole. Uh, but I, I think this is great for the CDH community. And I and, you know, I, I hope to see more stuff like this. Uh, and, and some would say that CDH is truly like where you get to play magic and you don't have to worry about somebody complaining about what you're playing because, you know, like the only ri- reason why someone would complain is like, wait, why is your deck not playing this card over that card? And I can be like, well, I don't care. <laughs> and it doesn't matter as much, right? Like I like shadow mage infiltrator so so instead of beating you with thassa's oracle i'm gonna somehow make you skip all your turns though and or i'll take every turn and just hit you with a one three so it you won't feel as bad for playing the cards or certain archetypes because i feel like in the world of commander there are archetypes that people just see as a cdh archetype but i think you can totally have a casual storm deck so I'm surprised Seth doesn't like CDH. Like, to, if you take, say, Modern or Legacy cross Commander, you get CDH. And it is incredibly, I, uh, incredibly fun. And, you know, it's not exactly I, like Modern and it's not exactly like casual EDH. Yeah. I, I, I don't dislike CDH. I think for me, I just think of Commander so differently. And I, I try to think of Commander as this like not competitive format where my goal is mostly for everyone to have fun and like to have a good time. So for me to even like think about playing commander competitively is just really weird. If I want to try to like beat people and make people miserable, I'll play like modern or legacy or vintage or something like that. But I like for me personally, I like having commander be this kind of refuge from all that where I can just like have a good time with friends for a couple hours, like, you know, make some jokes, banter, everyone hopefully leaves feeling like you know they had a they had a fun experience so the just the idea of playing commander competitively is weird to me not that (laughs) that's how everyone should think of it i don't have anything against cdh it's just for me if i'm gonna be like spiky i'm probably gonna play a 60 card format just just think of it as 100 card singleton legacy with the companion from the old companion rules (laughs) right like that's okay (laughs) that's the way you you think of it more in line with the constructed way right where you know, if you're hardcore, you can play the T, you know, the tier zero deck, right? But you can probably come in with your tier four deck and do very well, right? You can jank them out still, uh, you know, with with the correct cards, right? Like, you you know, we, we play plenty of bad modern decks and legacy decks and whatnot, right? You can do the same thing in CDH, right? It's just what you can't do is complain when your opponent plays a powerful card. You're like, well, that's expected, right? So I would, I would see it as a hundred card singleton legacy with old companion rules, <laughs> Right. And then and then maybe you can enjoy it differently. I, I'm very curious to see what happens with the proxy thing. I think it's awesome that they're doing it. I 
don't know exactly how that works with Wizards and WPN. Uh, as far as this being like a tournament, maybe it's not sanctioned and that's how you can do it. But that's always been like one of the sticking points as far as I'm aware of is like Wizards doesn't let you play proxies in sanctioned event. They get mad at stores who do that uh, and have actually had consequences for stores that do that. So I, I wonder how that whole aspect of it works because I think it would be amazing if we could have more you know, sanctioned proxy events for things like vintage and legacy and CDH, just because some of the cards are so expensive. So well, I'll be, I'll be watching to see how that works case. out. That, you're not getting points for a pro tour or anything, right? Yeah. Like you're playing CDH, right? Yeah. Like what that, does that's it hold up into? Nothing, right? So I don't think it needs to be sanctioned. And on top of that, like the, they solve or they, they try to help alleviate that by making it so the, the, you are allowed to use, I, I mean, to like proxy the 35 most expensive CDH cards. So, the, yeah, I was I was reading their thing and trying to figure out. It sounds like they're going to actually provide the playtest cards to players. So if you have one of these 35 most expensive cards and you want to play them, they will give you a a proxy to use or a playtest card to use in the tournament. But then you have to give it back at the end of the tournament. So I, I I'm trying to figure out what the what the loophole is or why they're doing it this way because it's a really unique setup and i think they mentioned that in their reddit post that they found a a unique solution uh i think they called it to to let people play proxies with cdh that is in line with the wpn rules but if there is actually a way to do it it seems like that could be beneficial for other tournaments and formats and stores if there is a way you can kind of like allow playtest cards without getting in trouble with the wpn and wizards I don't know about getting in trouble with, like, wizards and all that, but no matter what comes of this, and even if this, like, method is, a like, a, a success and absolutely awesome for the community, wizards will never back it. Unfortunately. Yeah, that is... Unfortunately. That is, that is true. That is, I mean, wizards, they have... They're never going to support fully support proxies. Right. I don't think. I think the best case is they look the other way, right? They'll, and don't they'll not police proxies. Yeah, that's. I think that's the best outcome. Is Wizards just takes a handoff approach, but I don't think they're ever going to say, "Hey, feel free to play <laughs> play proxies in your vintage deck or whatever." I don't think that's <laughs> right. Wait ever for secret layer proxies. <laughs> oh, <laughs> not legal and sanctioned play, but <laughs> here you go. Honestly, I would take that. You just print. I me mean, a it's run basically gold cornered, right? Yeah. Which they said they would do for reserve list, but I don't know, right? Maybe they they change their mind on it. Uh, anyway, I think those are all our topics. We got a couple minutes left. Richard, why don't you uh, shoot us a fish mail or two? All right. If you have questions, send them to at mtggoldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. The Bryce is right. A few weeks ago, Safford Olive mentioned a decline in the number of animations on Magic Arena. Do you think there's a chance that this is because the animation team is working on porting Arena to VR? <laughs> I mean, look, yeah, I, okay. I, 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 yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that that, that is probably, probably, it. I, I, I don't, VR I do not happens, know if I would want to live in wizard's reality. Yeah. If, if VR happens before a, like a spectator mode, I'm going to be very upset. But, but the thing is, at the same time, I watched Yu-Gi-Oh growing up. If they're telling me they're making dual discs for magic, <laughs> I'm alive for that. So uh, at the same time hell yeah bring it on watsy overlords if you're gonna make dual discs 
my my guess would be that they're spending a lot of effort on all the versions of cards. I think that's something that is maybe maybe a difference. So we're getting like all the mystical archives or something that a typical set wouldn't have. So maybe the time that would have went into making more innovation or animations in a set like Throne of Eldraine, maybe that's getting spent programming, designing, doing the art for something like Mystical Archives. So I I don't know. Virtual reality Magic Arena would be sweet, but I have not heard anything suggesting that's uh, in the near future or even being worked on at all, honestly. Yeah, they're, they're, they're going backwards here. They should be releasing more animations, like the flashy stuff that new players like to see. But maybe they're being big brain and they actually are cutting the animations because they're working on something even bigger than animations, which would be VR. But... Given Wizards' track record, I don't think they're that, you know, forward-thinking. I don't think they're planning for, like, oh, how do we play Magic in the Matrix? I don't think they're thinking like that. So, uh, probably not. Uh, okay, from some guy on Twitter, is this hate card playable? One mana artifact, if an opponent would put one or more cards on top of their library, exile those cards instead, pay to tap, target player scries one. Maybe call it Relic of Crim's Tears. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Relic of Crimson Tears? Tap? I'm confused. Hold on. You so tap scry one. To me that sounds like brainstorm hate. It sound to me it sounds like brainstorm hate. Whenever a player would put a card on top of their library, it gets exiled instead. It's not brainstorm and then hate. Though. That's you could, better. They shuffle. That's, that's great. You. Yeah, that gives me the they free brainstorm you, right? shuffle. <laughs> Like, it's a free shuffle. <laughs> oh, it's he's, Relic I, of Crim's Tears because he's crying from joy that he can actually put all these <laughs> annoying lands back and have them not be drawn again. The amount of times I get brainstorm locked is unreal. <laughs> yeah, this is all upside. And then I think yeah. it's a hate card. That it's, would it's be said as a hate card. Tar- oh, my God. Can you and yeah. also imagine, like, getting... Wait, is it whenever an, uh, whenever anybody puts a card on top of their deck? Or is it uh, just an opponent? It's, oh, so, oh, so it's not for yourself. <laughs> it's for an opponent. So that would keep. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. So that would be amazing then if I'm if I am opposite of that and like I cast like commit <laughs> that like permanently answers your card. Right. Yeah. Like things like memory. Oh, yeah, my God. Like that is sick. Ether ghost and memory. Oh, oh, that is sick. And then oh, that's so sick. Uh, and then I think the idea was you can target anyone with the scry. So you could like force your opponent to scry and exile the card that's on the top of their deck, essentially, oh, or one of the cards sick. from their deck when they put their scry card back. Yeah, I love that. I don't know. I if love it that would... card. That's just literally a mill a... one, right? At that point, right? you either bottom basically, or you put on top, and then no, you it's exile, so much right? better than that. It exiles, right? Yeah, okay, yes. It's yes. a little so a little better. worse than milling one, but wait, wait, b- or yeah, better. Uh, I guess it's better because it exiles, but it's worse because your opponent. Well, I guess the scry wouldn't really matter. Well, if they didn't want the card, they could leave it on top and get a new one. I guess that's the same. I don't know if this is a hate card. Like, I feel like this is kind of a cool, weird yeah. combo piece for Crim decks. <laughs> like, powering up your blue-white control deck or something. But I'm not sure it actually, very it actually hits on anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just it's like improves your Teferis, essentially, in memory lapses. <laughs> so, so, in other oh. words... Oh no, I hate this card. Sure would be a shame if it existed. Please. All right. <laughs> Last question. Free Jazz. How do I get Timmer? I, I assume that's a typo for Tober. Krim <laughs> and Richard decide a card for me. Well, Richard, I think you have the answer to that, right? 
There's no easy way currently because Tomer is in Canada. Uh, so a lot of people ask for this, like, for example, a Commander Clash playmat with Foral assigned. Uh, it costs a lot to ship it around the country and then to Canada and to back and then to you. Uh, so it's pretty outrageous shipping. The best is to wait for paper events to start up again. And, uh, you know, when, when the time is right, we'll all meet up at some paper event. And then at that time, uh, we can sign your stuff. And also we will just pre-sign a bunch of stuff for people who couldn't make it. Uh, so we're just waiting for uh, like the next GP Vegas or something, uh, Magic Fest Vegas when they return. All right, that's uh, all the fish mail we have for this week. So thank you to everyone who sent in fish mail. If you have questions, you can send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 333 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Grimm, thanks for, hang for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. And we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes down in the world of magic. So, until then, have an amazing week, everyone. And this is the crew signing out. Bye.